You're listening to The Big Show on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour three, it's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. Um, Melancholy Malcolm's going to pay us a visit. Um, if, if you're new to the show, uh, Melancholy Malcolm um, likes to read tweets from uh, angry fan bases. And uh, a lot of angry Oilers fans last night after losing to the Sharks in San Jose. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to give you a stat about the Oilers that don't look too good if you're mm. three hours north of here. I'm going to hit you with a truth bomb. Going to hit you with numbers don't lie. Mm. And uh, Shan, who's joining us today, he he triple-checked oh, he these numbers. Shan, would you stake your job on these numbers being correct? I would stake my job on those numbers. Oh. Whoa! All right. Not that I have the ability to get rid of you. I'm just, I am just threw it out there. Seems like you want to. No, he messes up, he's gone. Nope. Uh, I appreciate you, Shan. Um and we're taking your text messages, 960-960, name and location. The Oilers losing in San Jose last night makes me want to blank this weekend. <laughs> the Oilers losing in San Jose last night makes me want to blank this weekend. 960-960, name and location. The voice of the Calgary Flames is Derek Wills. He'll have the call tonight as the Flames are in Toronto to play the Maple Leafs right here on Sportsnet 960 on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, good morning, sir. Are we dancing too much on the graves of the Oilers right now? Um, I thought about doing some dancing last night myself. <laughs> yeah. And then I decided against it. I had a tweet ready to go. It was holstered? Um, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was in my drafts. Ah. So it was, uh, a live look at downtown Edmonton with, uh, a gif of Sharknado. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I decided against it because okay. two reasons, really. Uh, number one, uh, yeah, the Flames have won two in a row, but they aren't off to a great start this season themselves. New. No. Uh, number two, I remembered 2019, and I was lucky enough to do game seven of the second round series between the Blues and the Stars for Westwood One and NBC Sports Radio. And that game went to double overtime, and the Blues won it went to the Western Conference Final, and eventually won the Stanley Cup. And the reason I bring that up is because in my call of the game-winning goal from that series, I said, and I can't remember the exact date, but uh, they were last overall on January X, and now they're going to the Western Conference Final. And they went on to win the Stanley Cup. So I was reminded of that. I'm not saying the orders are going to do in 2024 what the Blues did in 2019, but there's been some talk about them potentially uh, trying to make a move for Jordan Bennington, who I would say is the guy who turned the Blues season around back in, in 2019. Um, so, yeah, I'm not ready to do any dancing yet. Mm. Uh, the old quote, uh, Derek, be careful not to dance on the graves of others. One day, one is sure to fall in. So just just heed that <laughs> advice. Heed, heed that advice. Um, Dustin Wolf being called up. How surprised were you by that last night? Or yesterday? A little surprised, but I will say this. Jacob Markstrom didn't practice on, what's today, Friday, Wednesday, because the Flames uh, had a travel day yesterday. So their last practice was on Wednesday, and Jacob Markstrom was not on the ice. We were told it was a maintenance day for both him and Nazem Kadri. Didn't think too much about it until Dustin Wolf got recalled yesterday. Now, I'm led to believe that this is more of an insurance policy than anything else, but uh, also... 
get the feeling that he could play one of these three games, whether it be, I don't think it'll be tonight in Toronto, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a start uh, in Ottawa tomorrow in the second half of a back-to-back or Montreal on Tuesday. I know uh, some Flames fans would like to see that. Derek, how how vital would that be for, for Dustin Wolf to get a, a start in a meaningful regular season game? He got game, what, 82 last year against the Sharks? Yeah. And it was nobody wanted to be a part of that one. So just how meaningful for that kid and his confidence uh, to get in a meaningful game, be it uh, Saturday or in Ottawa or Monday in Montreal? Well, I think it's a great reward for him just to get recalled because yeah. uh, NHL money for about a week isn't a bad thing. No. So that's uh, that's going to be a nice little early Christmas present for Dustin Wolf because he's off to a great start again. Him and the Calgary Wranglers, uh, one of the hottest teams in the American Hockey League to start the season. Uh, if he were to get into a game and play well in a game, yeah, that would really be a shot in the arm for him. And uh, I think it would answer some questions because I know I still have some questions about Dustin Wolf, not at the AHL level, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, one goaltender of the year in back-to-back seasons was MVP last season, but we have a one-game sample size of him at the NHL level. And I've seen some goalies in the past who have been stars in the AHL, and they were not stars in the NHL. And everybody I've talked to, uh, from the Flames, believes that this guy has the potential to be not as good as UC Soros, but better than UC Soros, which excites me because if the Flames have a guy waiting in the wings who could be as good or better than UC Soros, then they've got their goaltender of the future in Dustin Wolf. But we just, we haven't seen enough of him at the NHL level. As you mentioned, the only game he's played in was a meaningless one against the Sharks in game 82 last season. And he played well in that game. Mm -hmm. But until he plays in some meaningful games, plural, uh, we're not going to know who he is at the NHL level. Obviously, we're all really excited about him as a prospect, but uh, I need to see it at this level first. We had Frank Cervalli join us last uh, last segment. He mentions that that he thinks Dustin Wolf's the the Flames' top prospect. Do you you agree? I, I tend to think that he is now the top prospect. Yeah, I would say it's uh, between him and Matt Coronado for mm-hmm. me. Okay. Um, and I can call Coronado a prospect again because he's yes, in the AHL, exactly. at least for the time being. But I, I think that when you look at what the Flames have been looking for for the last, I don't know, decade, two decades, uh, prior to Jacob Markstrom, they were looking for yep. a number one goaltender ever since Mika Kiprasov. Well, yeah, Markstrom but... is back to the guy who he was two seasons ago and who has been for most of his NHL career. So they've found that guy, and maybe they've got another one of those guys in Dustin Wolf. fingers crossed. But the other thing that they've looked for forever was a right shot, right winger who can score. And, yeah, they had one last year in Tyler Toffoli, but he's gone. And the fact that they drafted a guy in Matt Coronado, who I believe can be that guy for them for a long time moving forward. And I know that, you know, after a a really good training camp and preseason and a pretty good start to the regular season he got sent down but that's okay all part of the development process i I think you'll be back up sooner rather than later so for me it's kind of 1a 1b with wolf and coronado Derek wills is the voice of the calgary flames on sportsnet 960 joining us here on the atlas pizza and sports bar guest online big show russick and rose with patty dumas um brought this up uh, after the benching of jonathan huberto isn't it crazy, Derek, that we're now a season and, what, 12 games into the Nazem Kadri jonathan Huberto era, and we can honestly say we've never seen them both going at the same time? 
Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you're not wrong. I, I mean, Nazem Kadri, when I think back to last season, he was at his best before the NHL All-Star game. And he was their only representative at the NHL All-Star game. But when he came back, he wasn't as effective, not even close. Uh, he looked like he was pretty frustrated with uh, a lot of things, including the head coach. Uh, Jonathan Huberto, I thought, got off to a really slow start last season, but was better, not himself, but better after the All-Star break. And this season, uh, Megan Mickelson, my new broadcast partner, has been saying it for weeks. She's like Nazem Kadri all season long. Even though he was struggling to produce early in the season, her, her argument was his work ethic is good. He's getting the chances. He's just not finishing them. Yeah. Well, now, Derek, with all due respect to Megan, to did, did you feel the same? Because honestly, like the first five games of the year, I thought he was a ghost and he was a shadow of himself. Like, I, I, I want to I I say work that he's. work ethic was there. But he had no influence on the game. Yeah, work ethic is right, fine, but you're fair. paid to have an influence on the game, and I don't think he had any. Like, that that's the issue. Yeah. Sure, if he's working hard, that's great. You expect that from Nazem Kadri, and I wouldn't expect anything else from him. But just the influence on the game, I, I, the first five games, Derek, I thought he was a ghost. He's been great these last five games. There's no question about that. Being Nazem Kadri, who he was that first quarter of the season last year, but at the early on of the season, I just thought he had no influence on the game whatsoever, and that just added the frustration here with him and Huberto. Well, when I say that I liked his work ethic, I did, and he was also getting chances. He just wasn't capitalizing. Now, to your point, he's paid $7 million a season to score goals and produce points and help his team win hockey games, and he wasn't doing that at a high enough level earlier in the season. But he continued to work, and I know it frustrated some fans when – you know, he would address the media and didn't seem to be too worried about anything, did he? You know, he said, ah, goals will come, points will come, wins will come. And we want to hear guys who are as passionate about the team and who are as frustrated about the losses as we are, right? And we didn't hear that from Nazem Kadri. But on the flip side, just trying to look at it from his perspective, we always hear coaches say that they want their players – never to get too high, never to get too low, and just to be even-keeled through the ups and downs of an 82-game regular season grind. Well, that's kind of how Kadri was. Maybe not what we wanted him to be, but that's who he was, and, and he's come through on the right side of this thing. So he's been really good. Uh, they need to get Jonathan Huberto going. I don't know how to do it. They've tried every which way over the last couple of seasons, and for whatever reason, it, it hasn't worked. I don't think it's a physical thing. He can do it. I think it's right between the ears, fellas. I think he, and he talked about it at the end of last season, needed to get his confidence and his swagger back. I thought he kind of had it, not to the degree that he had it two seasons ago when he finished second in the Art Ross Trophy race with 115 points and with 85 assists, had more assists in a single season than any left winger in NHL history, but certainly uh, more so than he did last season. But after the first three, four games, it, it just kind of went away again. And you know, he's been forcing plays that simply aren't there. Um, a pass that he could make in his sleep in the past. Uh, he's had a tough time making in, in the present. So if they could get both of those guys going, I think they become a pretty dangerous team uh, because they don't have a generational guy. But what they do have when most of their players are playing close to their potential or to their potential is a team that 
can throw four lines and three pairings and two or three goaltenders at you. And I think that's how the Flames have to win. But until their top guys start to play at least closer to their potential, then they're a one or two line team. Right now, I'd say they're a two line team and it's it's tough to, to beat good teams when that's who you are. Is it time to just stop with the Huberto Lindholm experiment? Like it's it's not working. It, it didn't work last year, and Lindholm himself is not off, off to the greatest starts either. He's been kind of kind of mediocre ish start, especially in a contract year. Is it time to just maybe put Huberto with the fixer, Michael Backlund, as as George loves? He's been lamenting yeah. for is to get Huberto with Backlund here for a while. Is it is it time to maybe to to leave ten and twenty eight break them up? Not quite for me, and here's why. Okay. Uh, Andrew Mangiapane didn't play in the last game. All right. And I'm torn with this one mm. because Jonathan Huberdeau, uh, who makes $10.5 million, is your highest paid player. If you were to sign Elias Lindholm to an extension today, tomorrow, whenever, he would be your second highest paid player. You shouldn't need the right winger on that line to get your two highest paid players going. Nope. But this is year one of an eight-year contract for Jonathan Huberdeau. The Flames have to do everything in their power to get him going. As a matter of fact, and I wasn't for this last season, but my opinions changed with the way things have started this season. You know, watching that Oilers Sharks game last night, what would it take to pry Anthony Duclair away from the Sharks? Probably not a heck of a lot. I would make that call if I was Craig Conroy because they had a great connection when Huberto put up 115 points playing for the Panthers. So I would, I'd at least make that call. Um, but Mangiapane, and I asked Ryan Huska about it last week or the week before, who's been the best fit playing with Lindholm and Huberto? And his response was Mangiapane has been to this point. So I want to see those guys together for another game or two. If they can't get it going, then maybe it is time to put Jonathan Huberto with Michael Backlund. And we, we haven't seen a big sample size of that, but we were actually talking about this on the Daily Calgary Flames roundtable yesterday with uh, Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. And Pat pulled up some uh, analytics. And when Huberto and Backlund played together last season, the, the numbers were really good as far as shot attempts for and shocker. shots for and chances for. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, shocker. Yeah, real shocker, right? Yeah. If you want to fix someone, put them with Michael Backlund. Yep. And to a lesser extent, Blake Coleman. Mm-hmm. And that's why right now the Flames have a line that's playing really well. I wouldn't touch it. Nazem Kadri yep. between Connor Zeri and all of a sudden, yep. Yegor Sharangovich is looking like a player. Leave those three together. And then they've got that duo of Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman. And I don't care who you put with those two guys. That line tends to play well, despite the fact that they're starting in the defensive zone way more often than the offensive zone and quite often get tough matchups against the other team's top line. doesn't matter who's on the left side of that line or the right side of that line because Coleman's versatile and can play either wing. So maybe it is time to try Huberto on the left with Backlund at center and then Coleman on the right. Now, the only hesitation I have with that, if I'm the Flames, I want to get Huberto as many offensive zone starts as I can. And I'm not sure that he would get as many as I would want playing with those two guys. But we're at a point where if this doesn't work soon with Lindholm and, and Mangiapane or whoever on the right side of that line, that you, you're probably going to have to try something that you haven't tried in a while. Yeah, I, I've been banging that drum for a while now to get Huberto with Backlund, and I get it. He's he's a checker. He's a third-line player, but not really on this team. He's like a he's like a 2B 
uh, Michael Backlund for sure. Yeah, and, I, and he can shoot it. I, no, yeah, again, like put him with those two guys with some chemistry and maybe take a little bit of pressure off him trying to having to produce. Leave him on the power play. Let him get his cookies potentially, hopefully, my God, hopefully, to get his cookies on the power play. But give like give him and Backlund a little time together. Maybe he can get his confidence up because it can't get any worse. They literally sat him for an entire period. They had yeah. no faith in him that he could help them win a game against the Predators. Put, try him out with Michael Backlund. Just see where that goes. Give it a little bit of sample size. And maybe it's a breath of, breath of fresh air for Lindholm, too. Maybe it's affecting Lindholm. Maybe maybe his game is 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 down a little because he has to get the puck to, to Huberto, and, and maybe he's feeling the pressure of getting Huberto going. I don't know what the answer is, but to me, it just... It's just not working, and 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 it's and it's strange, and it seems like on paper it should work, but I think we've seen enough of those two that I've seen enough, and it's crazy to say this early in the tenure. Yeah, it is funny because on paper it makes so much sense, doesn't it? You've got your your best passer in Huberto. You've yep. got your one of your best shooters uh, in Lindholm. A solid goal scorer. Gives him a yes, run for his money. Yeah, right. I mean, we saw it certainly back. Uh, when he was centering a line with Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk that he was able to find those soft spots and he's got a lethal shot uh, from the slot area. So when you think about it, well, you've got Jonathan Huberto who can, when he's right, make passes that few other guys in the league can. And then you've got Elias Lindholm who can really fire the puck. It should work, but it hasn't worked. Uh, We're more than a season in and it hasn't worked regularly, I should say. So We'll see. I I think those three guys are going to be together tonight to start the game against the Maple Leafs. So we'll see if uh, it suddenly starts to work with Lindholm, Huberto, and Mangiapane. And and I think Mangiapane is going to be shot out of a cannon after getting suspended for a game. So uh, maybe he can be just what the doctor ordered for those two guys. We'll have to to see. And if he isn't, then uh, I don't think Ryan Huska, who hasn't been afraid to, uh, to pull a shoot on players or on lines in the middle of games, I don't think that leash is going to be all that long tonight. Um, are we talk enough about uh, lately how good Anderson and Weger have been? I would go further than that. Uh, I think the top four has been really good. Getting Chris Tanev back was was good, and getting Rasmus Anderson back, uh, you can see how important he is. Uh, the Flames are above five hundred with him in the lineup this season. Just to put that in perspective, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, and I think everybody just slots better, and I like the pairs better with, with him back. Um, and I, I know that last season there was a lot of talk about uh, trying to find a way to play Mackenzie Weger on his strong side, but he looks really good on the left side of that pairing with Rasmus Anderson. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I know that there are some advantages to playing on your strong side, but playing on his weak side uh, has an impact at his game negatively. And then what it also allows you to do is put Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev back together. And I think Noah's playing his best hockey of the season right now. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that started to happen when he got paired with Chris again. Chris makes whoever his partner is better. And in Noah's case, Noah's such an elite skater. I think Chris being that stay-at-home defenseman when he has to be and one of the best defensive defensemen in the league allows Hannafin more freedom offensively. And and Taneb just, he does that for his partner. He did it for Quinn Hughes when he was playing for the Canucks, and he's done it for a bunch of guys, including Noah Hannafin and Oliver Shillington since uh, joining the Flames. So, you know, I, I think the top four has been really good. But, again, that's how the Flames are built. 
Um, mm -hmm. They're not built to be a, a team that beats you with one or two or three guys. They're going to have to do it as a group by wearing you down, by playing four lines when you've only got three, by having three solid pairings and a really strong top four when maybe you've only got three good defensemen. So the fact that uh, the defense is starting to, A, defend better, and B, chip in offensively, it's huge for this team. They need some points from their defensemen. They yep. got some goals and points last season. They were struggling in that area earlier this season, but it's starting to come around. Um, I know you're, you're talking about the, the depth is the strength of the Calgary Flames, and that's usually the case, but I've kind of noticed that the fourth line's A, not playing as much as they usually have, and B, there are yeah. stretches where they're getting just badly outplayed. Like in those games against the Predators and the Stars, the fourth line was getting caved in. And quite honestly, Derek, I'm a big Walker Dewar guy, and, and I like his size and I like his speed, but I, I don't think he's been noticeable, and he hasn't been Walker Dewar lately. Uh, for, for a lot of the fans who were just pining for, hey, have a young, youngish fourth line, don't have it laden with veterans, this fourth line's struggling with the kids playing on it, and it's a bit of a problem on this team. I agree. It was a strength for this team earlier in the season when they had Yegor Sharangovich between A.J. Greer and Walker Dewar. It hasn't been a strength for a while. And I'm not going to lie, I have been wondering for the last week or so if Walker Dewar would get a game off. It kind of looks like he needs one uh, just to kind of rekindle that fire a little bit. They need more from their fourth line. Uh, A.J. Greer, for a guy who they picked up on waivers, has been fine. Um there's been a, a revolving door at center on that line, and maybe that's one of the reasons why they haven't been as effective. But, hey, I said on the show weeks ago that in a perfect world, Yegor Sharangovich is not playing on my fourth line. I didn't trade my leading goal scorer and top point producer from last season to get this guy to play him on my fourth line long term. If you want to play him there short term to help him settle in, great. And that's what the Flames did, and I think it worked. He's playing a lot better hockey, and he's playing higher up in the lineup, which is where I wanted him and where they wanted him, more importantly. Um, but they need to get that fourth line going again because I think that line has the opportunity to give them some matchup advantages against teams that don't have a fourth line with that skill set. Based on what I saw at practice on Wednesday, fellas, I think there's a chance Adam Ruzicka doesn't play tonight. I know he came back in and, and did some good things. He just usually leaves me wanting more. And I'm guessing that's how the coaches probably felt because it looked like he was the odd man out during line rushes at practice on Wednesday. So now I'm wondering about Dylan Dubé because it looks like, again, based on what we saw a couple of days ago, he would be centering a line with A.J. Greer and Walker Dewar. And I, I'm a big Dylan Dubé fan. You know, he... Put in the work during the offseason again, finish first in fitness testing. And every year I predict that he's going to have a breakout season. And I guess you could argue that he has over the last couple of years, scoring 18 goals in each of the last two seasons. But I feel like he's always going to take another step forward. And he's not the fastest starter. And he's not off to a fast start this season. They need more from him. For me, he's a top nine guy, but looks like he's going to be center in their fourth line. So I'm hoping that that does for him what it did for Yegor Sharangovich, and that's get him going. And when you're playing on the fourth line, sometimes you can just simplify things. Uh, you know, Dylan's got a great skill set, 
but he's also a guy who, if he dumps the puck in, can get there first in the forecheck and retrieve it. So that's what I want to see from that line. Just play north-south, get pucks in, cycle them. If you score some goals and produce some points, great. But worst-case scenario, set the table for the next line that comes onto the ice. So they, they do need more from Dewar, and he is more than capable of providing it. But I do wonder if a new centerman and uh, a guy who brings a little, little something different to the table in Dubé can maybe get that line going again. Uh, the opponent tonight, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, they obviously have a new GM. That was uh, the Flames' old GM, Brad Tree Living. And uh, the, his no. signings he made on the offseason were a little... Uh, <laughs> Were a little, they're, they may be a little bit questionable, uh, at least in Leafland to start. Um, questionable. What was your, what would you grade Bradtree Living's tenure here in Calgary? There was some wins, there were some losses, there's some also. I've always said it was an, it was an all right average time as a GM as an NHLer. What would you say his tenure here in Calgary was like? Well, that's a tough question for me to answer. I'm a big Bradtree Living fan, mm-hmm. uh, and. It's almost difficult to grade his tenure here because the, the group that he put together is, for the most part, yeah. still together. And we don't know how the story ends yet. It hasn't started all that great this season, but we don't know how it, how it ends. Uh, but, you know, he, he did uh, a lot of good things during his time here. And he did a lot of good things despite being put into some pretty tough positions. He didn't want to lose Johnny Gaudreau for nothing. He did everything in his power to to keep him. Yep. He didn't want to trade Matthew Kachuk. He had no choice. And, and you know, for me, those are are two things that are kind of tied to his legacy here in Calgary. And you know, I think despite what's going on with Jonathan Huberto right now, you know, they got a guy who had the same number of points as Johnny Gaudreau and who had more points than Matthew Kachuk. And they also got a, a first pairing defenseman. And they also got a, a prospect and a first-round pick in that trade with the Panthers. So we, we don't even know how to evaluate or to give a letter grade to that that one deal yet because mm-hmm. we don't know how Schwint's going to turn out as a prospect and how that first-round pick's going to play out. So I think the trade it, it's a tough for, question to answer. I think the trade, looking back, like yeah, I think Flames fans are like yeah, it made sense and whatnot. And there's some good pieces, obviously, with with Mackenzie Weger. There's the first. There's Cole Schwint, and then there's Huberdo, obviously coming off the most historic season by a left winger. I think what it is is that extension that's going to linger over this cut no. team for so long. Should they have done yeah, that extension you know at the time? And I remember this. It's hindsight. I know because I know at the time. People were saying, okay, sure, you traded for Huberto, you traded for Uyghur, they're never going to sign extensions here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was a byproduct of the fact that uh, they weren't able to extend Gaudreau and that Kachuk told them he wasn't going to extend here. Maybe that was just what was you know, kind of bouncing around between the ears for, for a lot of Flames fans mm-hmm. at the time. And then pretty quickly, after a flight to Montreal to have dinner with Huberto, he had him signed to the biggest contract in the history of the franchise. Basically, the same deal that he was going to give to Gaudreau. And at the time, it looked like Huberto was just going to be a replacement for Gaudreau as the team's first line left winger and uh, most talented offensive player. And I know it hasn't worked out quite that way in the first year. Plus, uh, things could still turn. Uh, God knows with that contract, there's plenty of time for that to happen. Um, And then he got Uyghur signed to what I thought was a a really good contract for a first-pairing defenseman. And Mm -hmm. he didn't get off to the greatest start last season either. Nope. But now he looks like that first pairing guy again. So it's tough for me to evaluate Brad's tenure here. Uh, and 
truth be told, I'm just a, a big fan of him personally. So I don't want to give him a, a failing grade. And I, I wouldn't even as uh No, I don't think it was a failure a at neutral all. Neutral bystander. No. Um and, and then as far as his work with the Maple Leafs, I don't know. This is a team that hasn't been able to get deep in the playoffs despite having the talent to do so. So when he went out and signed Tyler Bertuzzi and Ryan Reeves, Oof. I thought, you know what? Like, those guys are going to add a little edge to his team. It's early. So I know everybody wants to just jump to conclusions. That That's the world we live in. The Maple Leafs aren't going to be judged on how they perform in the regular season unless that leads them to missing the playoffs. This is a team that, with where they're at, no one's going to care how they performed in the regular season if they make a run of the playoffs. And I would argue that Reeves is a guy who you, you can't put on the ice for a regular shift. He has a role, but he hurts them as much as he helps them. Yeah. Yep. Maybe yeah. more when he's on the ice, <laughs> uh-huh. but he is that nuclear deterrent. Might be a healthy scratch like tonight. Lucic. Yeah. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi is... Uh, He's a talented player who who plays on the edge, and I do like that about him. Um, and who's the other guy? They Max Domi. No, oh no, Klingberg's the guy who's killing them. Klingberg's there. the worst. He well, is killing yeah. them on the blue line. You know what? He doesn't have edge. No. <laughs> you talk about talented players who lack edge, and he'd be right near. That's the a top guy that turned down fifty million dollars. Bounced around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is crazy <laughs> when you think about it. But yeah, I, I didn't love that addition, um, and it's funny because. Right now, what are the Maple Leafs reported looking for? <laughs> Top One or defense. two defensemen. <laughs> yep. Like, like, it sounds like they're, like, I'm sure they'd love to get their hands on a couple of Flames defensemen. Oh, yeah, Hannafin. Chris Tanev, for sure. <laughs> yep. I know how much Brad Treloving likes him. Maybe Noah Hannafin. Maybe Nikita Zadorov. Yeah. Um, Leaf fans like have no idea what they're getting top. in Big Z. They have no <laughs> well, idea what they're, they're getting in Big Z. You know what though? He's been great. This yeah, season. Derek. That, but I that's mean, him. Like that Nashville game, he looked like a Norris Trophy winning defenseman, and then yeah, he yeah. like disappears <laughs> and then throws himself completely out of the play, trying to blow up a dude. Like I love Big Z, and it's just the roller coaster of emotion watching that guy. And yeah, Leaf fans think like he's going to be the issue. Yeah, he will be in some games, and then some <laughs> games you'll be like. What did we just do here? Yeah, sometimes he de- tries to do a little bit too much. Yes. But I don't think, I don't know if they win that game the other night without no. him. No. I, I think about that, that not just, not just him setting up Dylan Dubé for that 2-1 goal, but the whole sequence. Like, it looked like there was going to be a breakaway the other way. And I mean, for a guy who's 6'6", 248, he skates like the wind. It's really unbelievable. If he gets back. Uh, pickpockets a guy, leads the rush up the ice, and sets up a huge goal. I mean, that's Nikita Zadorov at his best, and I know that he can be a roller coaster at times. But it, back to my point about the Maple Leafs, here's a team that believes they're ready to win a Stanley Cup that is currently looking for two top five defensemen in yeah. season. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what what kind of ransom are they going to have to get up to give that to give up to get that? I mean, yep. first Matthew Nice are forced to. Yep. To move guys, you're loving it, but that's going to be a tough trade to make, I suspect. Uh, Derek Wills is the voice of the Calgary Flames on Sportsnet 960. He'll have the call tonight alongside Megan Mickelson. Uh, sir, always a pleasure. Thanks for this. Thanks, guys. What a media circus it's going to be in Toronto oh, today. Boy. Oh, yeah. Wow. Be a lot of fun. Uh, not as much as the media circus that's going on in Edmonton. 
That's even more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point by you. All right. Uh, thanks, All right, Derek. Guys. Have thanks, a good Derek. Yep, there he goes. Uh, Derek Will. Straight ahead, uh, Melancholy Malcolm will make an appearance, and I'll give you a stat that if you're waking up in Edmonton today, no bueno. And we'll do plays of the week. Yay. We'll wrap up the week. Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960, the fan. Home stretch. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. There are a few benefits to doing this show. Um, one of which is that on the on the on the precipice of a long weekend, we're already done. Well, I'm done at eight fifty five. Yeah, people will be like rolling into work at nine. Right. Sure, like this sleeping schedule is cutting years off my life, but there's at least one benefit. I don't even nap during the day. I don't really? Know. It doesn't have just I don't get tired. I don't feel it right now. I don't oh, know what wow, the hell's happening. Oh, it's weird. I'm gonna go hammer a nap today. Why the weather's a little I need the sun. It's a little gloomy. That's the one the saving grace uh, when everybody talks about the four seasons in one day that is the city of Calgary. Yeah, I know it's one of the sunniest places in Canada. Like, oh, somebody day, who's out east, like, sun. it is, some, it's just beautiful. Yeah. It's just beautiful. The sun's always shining. No, I need Great. the sun. I need the sun. Like the sun shining on Calgary and not so much three hours north from here. <laughs> As the Edmonton Oilers lost to the San Jose Sharks last night. I was, I've been teasing these numbers. Um about the Edmonton Oilers and where they're at right now. And uh, our intrepid producer, Shan, um, salt of the earth, old soul. Uh, in his blood. It's in his blood. I hate all those expressions. Uh, he looked up this thing. I asked him to. I go, Shan, this morning before the show, I go, tell me every in the last decade, the last 10 years in the National Hockey League, tell me the last place team in the NHL on November 10th. Give me the list of all of them. Mm. I want to hear. You ready for the list? I do. Starting with 13-14? Yes. Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. Buffalo Sabres. Columbus Blue Jackets. Carolina Hurricanes. Colorado Avalanche. Arizona Coyotes. Arizona Coyotes. LA Kings. LA Kings. Ottawa Senators. Short season. Arizona Coyotes. St. Louis Blues and Columbus Blue Jackets. What do all those teams have in common in the last decade being in last place on November 10th? They all missed the playoffs. They all missed the playoffs. So the Blues were the worst team last year at this time? In at November 10th. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. They, like, yeah, the being in that playoff spot is so key to be obviously at the US Thanksgiving benchmark, but wow, yeah, yeah. It's uh, is one of is Edmonton the worst team on that list, or is there teams worse than them on that list? I'm just going by where they're at right oh, now. You don't have the points. Okay. No, I don't know. Oh, no, I have the points. Okay, who's the worst points record through the uh, first? Three, the Coyotes. Okay, wow. But it doesn't say how many games played because Shan didn't go above and beyond. Oh. I'm just kidding, Shan. It's okay. I'm just totally through. So it's not good. Bus. It's not good. No. And, and it will be, like, it's. we've talked like 750 clip. It's probably closer to a 760, 770 clip the rest of the but, way. But here. right, but are the Oilers capable of doing that? Sure. Uh, how? I think it's going to have to be on the backs of the two stars for sure. But overall, the structure on this team is not good enough. The goaltending is not good enough to to mm-hmm. bail them out of uh, of issues. The defense is obviously not not good enough. They they can't even outscore their problems. We thought they could. We thought Edmonton Toronto were two teams. Yeah, they can outscore their their crappy defense and mediocre goaltending. Yep. No, no, the Edmonton Oilers cannot do that. So yeah, it's not looking good, bruv. No, it is not looking good. Uh, it is not looking good, bruv, uh, for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Numbers don't lie. 
So uh, if you're a Calgary Flames fan and you see where the Oilers are this morning, and we always, and you mentioned it early on in the show, uh, the arbitrary number that is U.S. Thanksgiving. That's two weeks. Yeah. Where are they going to be in two weeks from now? Not in a playoff spot. Probably not. <laughs> and if you just look, if you just look uh, at what they, just watch the games and how they, they're performing. Mm-hmm. Like McDavid is not himself. Mm-hmm. Like Dreisaitl's been a ghost. And for for that crowd that's saying, you know, maybe Dreisaitl isn't the best, second best player in the world, I don't think he is. It's showing right now, though. He's not. He yeah. hasn't been able to take over. He just has backhand comments, getting all pissed off. Yeah, I don't, all... I don't care about that. I'm just saying the performance on the ice. When yeah. McDavid is hurt and he's clearly no, he's, dealing he with He doesn't elevate his game enough. Is he elevated? And again, in the playoffs, he was absurd mm-hmm. last year, scoring Playoff, out an incredible Leon, clip. Two playoffs for been scoring made... out an incredible yeah. clip. But is he the second best player in the world? GVP is Leon Dreisaitl the second best player in the world on November 10, twenty twenty three. Um, I I think he still is actually okay. Just like, are you going to say that McDavid's not the best player in the world, given the fact that they're having a slow start right now? No, he's I don't hurt. Think, no, no, I know that he is, but that's I don't not think even, that's fair that's to not, say. That's not even a conversation. What I what I what I'm getting at is, without McDavid being McDavid, I don't think Dreisaitl's is good. That's essentially what I'm saying here. And he should be elevating his own game. That's fair. And the second best player in the world should be able to carry his team on his back when the best player in the world is clearly dealing with somebody. Because this isn't an indictment of Connor McDavid. Mm -mm. Because clearly something's up. Something is up with him. And because he's not at his level, he's not at his 100% best, it's affecting Dreisaitl. So shouldn't Dreisaitl be elevating his game? That's all I'm saying here right now. That's fair. I just think we need more than 11 games to really hammer that point home. That dry side is not a, the second best. Uh, again, like I'm, I'm skeptical. Even if, even if he's not the second best, he's still within the top five to ten anyway. Sure. So he should still be a Absolutely. guy to agree with your point to put that team on his back and still make do with what you got here. So It yeah. just doesn't look the same without McDavid being the same. No, they both need to. It is funny how he needs. Like, does he need McDavid to be going to be going? I I don't know. I I don't think that's the case. It's just something's wrong. Something's up in the water there in Edmonton. It's not good right now. Uh, McCarr, second best player in the world. I I don't I don't have a problem with that. You want to tell me Kale McCarr is the second best player in the world? It doesn't have to be based on points. No, it totally does not have to be based on career points. I have said this. I have said this on this show. To me, the second most untradeable player in the NHL is Kale McCarr. Yeah. From what he brings to the table and his position and his skating, and mm-hmm. you can play him in every spot, yep. he's the second most valuable player, of course, behind McJesus, who clearly is dealing with a back injury. Um, there was a lot of heat on social media last night. Yep. A lot of uh, angry Oilers <laughs> fans. And uh, when there's anger and disappointment, that means uh, we hear from Melancholy Malcolm. Um, he, uh, he likes to text me and go, Hey, I definitely got to come on tomorrow and read some of these tweets. I'm like, all right, Malcolm, if losing to the San Jose Sharks, you know, if it's not last after last night's game, we'll never have you on again. So, you know, begrudgingly, I said, all right, Malcolm, you can jump on the show. You ready to hear some angry Oilers tweets and maybe some disappointment, maybe a trade rumor or two. Oh yeah. Uh, let's hear from Mr. Melancholy. Let's do it. At NRG Girl 1. I didn't think finding new ways to lose was an actual coaching strategy. Hmm. At Rob Griffiths 97. 
announced Ken Holland to the retirement home. <laughs> oh, that's not very nice. One year away. He's already said it. At Ryan Daniel 31, Ken Holland demoting Jack Campbell after Stuart Skinner had a bad game. God. <laughs> what the f is that about, huh? What's up, you fat pig? What? what you don't see where you're going? I wasn't even driving. <laughs> don't shut the f up, you f piece of bacon. <laughs> Why'd I get picked up? <laughs> Hashtag let's go Oilers. Oh. At Justin Lie01. Hashtag Let's Go Oilers should change their hashtag to Hashtag Let's Go Golfing. Oh, a little early for that. At Scorch Supremacy, do you prefer Pissy Leon or Cup or Bus Leon? Yep, great, great observation. Hashtag Let's Go Oilers. At Bidar 1422, at this point, f <laughs> to the hashtag NHL Bruins. Connor McDavid, Cody CC, Calvin Picard, to the hashtag Let's Go Oilers, Matthews Poitras, Jeremy Swayman, oh. Charlie McAvoy, oh. Jake Dubrusk, ah. who says no, Edmonton Badly needs Elite D and Good G while Bruins gets Insane C. At Oily Doughboy, grabbing McDonald's and getting baked as f tonight, <laughs> hashtag Let's Go Oilers. Ah, uh, there he is, uh, Melancholy Malcolm. That's good. You like that trade to the Bruins? What was it? It was McDavid, CC, Calvin Pickard for McAvoy, DeBrusque, Portois, and um, Swayman. Would the Bruins say no? If getting Connor McDavid? I don't know. Because you're, you you're saddled with, you're losing so much to that team, uh, off your team. That's just not going to happen. It's not you can never happen. win a Connor McDavid trade because you're trading oh. the best player in the world. Exactly. Um, we've also taken your text messages this morning. Texty McTexterson on the shelf. He's feeling a little ill. I don't know what's going on. I, I think I Malcolm. Emailed. I emailed to figure yeah. out what's up. Uh, Malcolm, uh, I think it's going to pinch hit for him. We asked you uh, on the text line, 960-960, name and location. Uh, the Oilers losing in San Jose last night makes me want to blank this weekend. The Oilers losing in San Jose last night makes me want to blank this weekend. Oh, Shan, what do we got on the text line? Uh, we got a, we got eight here from Malcolm. Okay, Malcolm's all right. Let's heart. hear from Malcolm. Let's do it. Kyle in Calgary, the Oilers losing last night makes me want to drink 12 pints in 71 seconds to celebrate this weekend. <laughs> Good luck doing that. Hey, Joey. After you the can't do that. After the first four, it's, it's just a little rough. It's that's, impossible. That's the goat. You can't it's, no. you come for the goat. Listen, listen. I've been into the cage with the world's best. <laughs> you can't beat him. You can't I, just I, make I. statements like that and think you can do it. You uh, can't. You weren't uh, there. You weren't you there. there. You weren't there. You don't know how it's like. When that man loosens yeah. up his jaw, mm -mm. you don't know how it's like. Oof. No. All right, more, Shan. Wedley in Brittlewood. The Sharks Brittle. beating the Oilers has me wanting to get milk wasted like GVP this weekend. Ah. Oh, milk wasted. That sounds awful. Good weather for it. I was laid on the dairy. <laughs> yep. All right, keep it rolling. Randy in Cochrane. The Oilers losing to San Jose makes me want to go streaking this weekend. <laughs> We're going Let's go streaking. streaking! Everyone's behind us. All right, keep it rolling. Kevin from Carstairs makes me want to walk down White Ave in Edmonton in a shark costume. They <laughs> <laughs> were the ones that were left like, shark costume. Yeah, the Katy Perry halftime show shark. Yeah, left shark. Yeah, yeah, White Avenue. That's the happening spot in Edmonton. That is the right happening here. spot. Definitely. 
people are bitter. They'd be bitter at that if you did that this oh, morning. Oh, yeah. Shark walking down the street. Yep. They, they'd be pissed. Okay, a couple more. Todd in Temple Town. The Oilers losing to the Sharks makes me want to LMAO all weekend. All right. Okay. Keep laughing away. These are the best ones, Shan? <laughs> These are the only ones. No, no. There's, there's, no, no, there's a lot. A lot of them are uh, what we call explicit. <laughs> well, you can bleep There's them. beefs and chickens. Yeah, but it, it's the whole like premise of the message. That's just. I guess. What do you mean? Oh, oh there's Wait. a lot of words build up into it, and it's not PG. Yeah, okay. I've I've gotten in trouble for this before. By from whom? Uh you. What do you mean? I, okay, yeah, you played that one that was really awesome. Yeah, but you got racial. You can't get racial. I didn't get racial. I didn't think you it played was. a text that was racial. But I didn't think it what was. What even was it? I don't think it, it was a long time. Hey, ago. you know you can ask. Yeah. I get scared. I get nervous around you guys. Okay, why? Because uh, they're scary people, man. All right, no. All right, uh, play uh, play two more. Peter from Bridgeland. Hmm. This weekend after the Oilers lost to the Sharks, I am going to pop a bag of crappy popcorn and watch Grease 2 with Michelle FIFA because nothing can bring me down. Michelle FIFA. Okay. Grease 2. All right. <laughs> One more. <laughs> One more. Clint in Lethbridge. Makes me feel like proposing to my girlfriend this weekend oh. in Canmore. Oh, wow. Well, damn Holy right. burn the surprise here, Cliff. Well, she ain't listening. How do you know? Well, maybe she is. You know what? Uh, we, we got re- Reach Patrick. We've, uh, well, no, we got Reach. <laughs> uh, uh, women, got reach. <laughs> women 18 to 25 is our sweet spot demographic That's on the this show. Swift demographic. That is our, like, 18 to 25 is our hardest of hardcore <laughs> listeners. They're like, I love the big show. It's my favorite. I love sports talk for three straight hours. Um, that's it for us. Um, we're off Monday. Yeah. So it's a long weekend. Uh, definitely uh, take the time to um, remember those who uh, made the ultimate sacrifice this weekend. We are not here on Monday, but we're going to wrap up the week with the plays of the week. Have a terrific weekend. We'll talk to you Tuesday. The Chronolist in studio on Tuesday. Yes, we'll talk will. to you then. Bye. This is the best of the worst of the big show with Russick and Rose. And number two, Shan, don't ever tell me no again on my own show. <laughs> Roger that. Roger that. Okay? Like, I'm not, I don't want to be like, you know, like, I appreciate your work. I like when you fill in. I think you're a good dude. We know a lot of the same people in this business. Will you tell me no one more time, Shan? Oh, brother, this <laughs> no. guy stinks! Yes! Morning, who's this from, um, GVP? This is from our pal out in Nick. Uh, out in Nick. Out in Crossfield. Nick in Crossfield. Jeez. Right. <laughs> wow. Awesome stuff. Bad news. Um... Our pal Adnan Verdnan, Adnan Verdnan, Adnan Verk, Adnan Verdnan. Where did that come Verdan. from? <laughs> I would probably say no. that's not a good question. Don't put it on the board, Chan. Guess a only. guess has to say good yeah, question. We're not doing. Sit anything. down, <laughs> sit down, Chan. Sit down now. Wah wah wah. Adnan Verdnan. Adnan Verdnan. Did you guys see Adnan Verdnan? <laughs> Who the heck watches Adnan Verdnan? Working on sunshine. Whoa! I saw. I mean, Twitter's a cesspool for for morons, and I'm part of the part of the problem too. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not uh, passing blame. It's uh, also why I love it. <laughs> oh, I know because I'm a greasy dude who's gambling again. Getting oh, Vit- Vitek Vinicek. Uh, he, he takes his goaltending thing very personally. He looked down at DP after and said, "Hey, I hear this guy can play the puck, but can he stop it?" <laughs> <laughs> I have a bruise on my tummy. He, he punched me. I think you're a joke. And you're a floater. How has the addition of Radcote Gudis for the Ducks been different than the addition of Reeves for the Maple Leafs? Oh, 
Well, Gudis can play. Uh, he's, you know, he's. Uh, <laughs> and obviously, Thai food is delicious. I went with my wife one time, mm-hmm. and they give great massages, right? Like, that's what like Thailand's known oh, for. I've definitely heard that, Russ. Scorchy, <laughs> sexy baby Matt Rose. The Big Show with George Russick and Maddie Rose. Weekdays when you wake up.